Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my name is Bernd Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds Podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Is that clock? Is that clock going so? It is, it's Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are back with another special guest today. But before I introduce him, we have Callum. You're back. How are you? I am. I've had a I've had a weekend off. I'm back for this very special guest. I've taken time out of my weekend to to come back and do it. So I'm looking forward to it. I think he's taken time out of his weekend actually. Uh, Michael, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Very excited about this one. This is uh, this is. Yeah, this, this is, is a big one. Yeah. And we have uh, Matt from the Across the Pond. How are you? I'm doing great. And you can tell Callum's excited. Not only did he take time out of his weekend, he's taken some hair out of his weekend too. He's got all dolled up. <laughs> yes, yes, he has. And anyway, let's move on to our special guest today by the name of Bert Mylander. How are you, sir? Yes, first of all, hello, hello everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be in your podcast, so it's uh, really looking forward. Uh, yes, I'm I'm fine. I had also a weekend a weekend off after um, um, yeah two, two two races in two weeks. Uh, so uh, uh, nice to be back home. Um, but I said already before we have a, a small private talk. Uh, I have uh, two two little kids at home with uh, three point four years old. So uh, I have to say it's even a hard work if you stay at home and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great, great thing, definitely. But uh, yeah, it's uh, in this under these conditions in the moment, it's very tricky. But uh, yeah, now we're looking forward for special meet for one very special race, Monaco next week. So uh, yeah, we'll see how it works. I was really excited when we when we were arranging this interview and we were doing it just before Monaco. I was thinking, yes, perfect timing. Um, for our listeners who don't know who you are if there are any. Um, can you explain yourself in uh, one sentence for us, please? In, in one sentence? Uh, well, it's a big, it's a long story. I'm already 
I get 50 years old uh, in two weeks. So uh, I have a, I, I can tell you a lot of stories, by the way. Uh, well, my, my name is Bernd Mylander. I'm uh, uh, looking for Formula One. They know me from, from the safety car. I'm the official FIA Formula One safety car driver. By the way, not only Formula One, I also do the support races with F2, F3, Porsche, whatever is going on. Uh, and they're using the official safety cars. So I'm I'm the man behind the steering wheel. Uh, to coming back, my race, racing career. Uh, so I was a race driver. I drove DTM uh, for Mercedes, Porsche, long distance races, Le Mans, 24 hours Nürburgring, what we won in 2000. Uh, so many, many races, different categories. And the best thing was to get a job in Formula One because you can do this without limited by age. Uh, so I'm still in the in the safety car with 50 years. And still at the front as well. Um, so for, for our listeners um, who might not understand how the safety car driving works, are you are you in every single safety car race or are you, do you alternate? Well, um, um, I'm, I have always someone with me in the safety car. Uh, I get guided by race control. So race control, it's my... Let's say my uh, uh, not my backup because I get all instruction from race control for sure. Uh, we, my co-driver Richard Darker, who is based uh, or is coming close from from Birmingham, he's working also for the FA. He's the guy uh, who controls more or less everything inside the car. Uh, we can listening to to race control. We get the instruction from race control when we have to deploy, when we have to go back to the pit lane. We reporting to race control. Uh, because we are live on track, so we can see a little bit more than race control. They have a lot of cameras, but sometimes you you need the feeling what's going on, let's say, under special conditions. If it's raining like hell, um, they can't feel the aqua planning and race control. I can feel it in my car. So reporting things like this. and But it's always the decision. It's done by race control what's going on. We don't have this many information. Uh, we have a lot of information, but in the end, it's up to race control, to my race director, to Michael Marcy, and to this guy who is sitting next to him, that's Colin Haywood. He's an observer. Um, so they are really good experience about that. So that's uh, a teamwork, I can say, a proper teamwork that makes uh, a lot of fun. And uh, it's a really high professional thing what's going on there. So it's like in an airplane cockpit, four ISIS, four years, they see more. Well, he has no steering wheel, my co-driver, but quite, quite lucky. Uh, so I'm the boss behind the steering wheel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we've been doing this since many years. So mm -hmm. it's a proper teamwork. So uh, obviously you are one of the the most respected men on the track when you when you're there. So you you've said it's ultimately down to to race control to make the decisions. But how much does your voice um, influence the safety and the decisions compared to, let's say, the drivers who might say, "Oh, it's fine to race," and you're saying, "No, no." <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I, 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 because I've, I've been racing before. I would, I would say exactly the same. If I'm behind a safety car, let's say uh, we have a rain, a rainy Sunday, uh, uh, red, red condition, red conditions on the track. Uh, for sure, if I'm behind a safety car from a racing car driver's point, uh, I have a perfect visibility. Uh, there's no spray or not, not that much spray behind the safety car. So I would say by radio, let's, gentlemen, let's race. I'm ready to go. 
But if you listen to the, let's say, to the tenth place or to the last place, uh, they can't see anything anymore because uh, of the spray. And you have to find the balance. So I understand completely when uh, drivers uh, said, well, the safety car, let's say, the safety car is too slow. Um, they don't know why I'm not driving flat out in that moment because we're waiting maybe for a car who is 10 seconds behind the last car, still not, not behind the last car, the second last car. And so we have to pack them together and they don't know that. I know that because I can see this on a GPS map. I, I get this information by radio. So we get a lot of things we have to put to manage this all together. That nearly everyone is happy for sure. Um, from the race driver side, I can understand when they sometimes, if they're explaining, oh, the safety car is too slow, oh, let's, let's start, we, we have a good visibility. That's normal. That's um, uh, a normal human thing. And uh, But then it's up to race control. Race control is also listening to all the team, uh, to all the drivers by radio, and they they can mix this up to on a safe way. And uh, usually if I say on radio, let's say, uh, okay, no aqua planning anymore. From my point, it's okay. Let's race. And then race control, they usually put always one or two laps on top to be even more safe. Um, so that's risk management. And we always try to stay on the absolutely safe side. That's really interesting. So on your typical day, you're, you're not listening to what the drivers are saying. You, you are the driver. You are the driver that Michael has out there getting all the information. So do you listen to mainly the communications coming from race control or are you driving those communications to set the, the day forward, if you will, once you go out? Well, I, I it, it's, it's, it's a mix uh, for, for sure. The, the main point, safety car, safety car standby, safety car deploy, um, that's guided by race control. But from then, from that moment on, you you, all, you try to organize yourself so you know where's the accident, you will get the information if there's a lot of debris, like in, in Imola, there was a lot of debris on the track uh, when uh, George Russell and, and Valtteri uh, bought us when they crashed before turn uh, two. Yeah, turn two. Um, so we get this information and then we re-report re okay, there's uh, even carbon fiber debris. Uh, if there's just grass, and for sure, we also report that there is grass. And that's a mix. So we, we gave race control the information. Race control gives the information to uh, to the marshals. They try to clean it as quick as possible. Um, so it's 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 a really prop. Michael is listening. Michael Masi, the race director, he's listening to us, uh, and he makes the decision in the background to organize the things as fast as possible. Uh, so they know what what they have to do. And we know what we have to report, and you have to put this together in really small, in small words. So you yeah. can't tell them a big story, whatever. Uh, try to answer it as short as possible. Uh, bring it on the point, and don't tell a too big story because uh, they have also to communi communicate to to other peoples. Uh, sometimes they have to communicate to the medical car if there's a big one. Uh, and the medical car is also to, to deploy. So uh, sometimes it's also good to, to be quiet. Just lead the guys around the track. Uh, wait until you get a radio call. Uh, don't ask too many things. For sure, important things, yeah, you have to ask. But uh, um, 
yeah, and after 20 years or 22 years already, uh, you know how to handle this situation. And yeah, for sure, so. every every safety car deployment, it's a new, it's a new thing. Uh, that's also why I always say my job, it's, uh, it sounds, it's always the same, but it, it isn't. It's always something a little bit different. And that's, that's what makes me still, after 22 years, nervous when I'm on the grid before the race. Um, <laughs> That's, That's brilliant. It's nice to know that you still get nervous as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, absolutely. It's it's that what I what is my thrill, yeah. That's that's what I want to feel. That's why I'm still in the safety car. So what do you do while you're waiting during the race? Say for example, it's a it's a quiet race. Lewis is out front <laughs> doing his thing. And uh <laughs> yeah, and there, there's nothing at all. It's a quiet one. What do you do to pass the time? Well, we have uh, we have two screens inside. Uh, one one screen it's a, well, it's a it's a big iPad. Um, no, we have two iPads this year. Sorry, in the Aston. Uh, so on one iPad we have the GPS mapping where we can see the, the track by a map. We can see all the points with the starting numbers. Uh, so we know for sure we know uh, all. Um, all the drivers, the leader has a different color. The last one has a different color. And we also can see if there's an impact. So we get the GPS data from the impact. So we can see if it's a, a small one or if it's a big one. We can see the yellow soon. So we know even before you at home, because this, this picture is usually three, four, the life is three, four seconds behind yeah. the real life life signal. So on this GPS map, you can see really one-to-one. And on the other screen, usually we have the, the live fee, so because we follow the race. Hmm. And my my co-driver is English, so I'm always put my money on German drivers, and he's putting his always on Lewis. So don't tell me, <laughs> I lost a lot of money the last eight years. Or... <laughs> 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 uh, uh, so yeah, that's a normal communication. For sure, sometimes you you, you follow the race. Uh, um, you're checking sometimes the radio. If it's really, let's say, half an hour quiet on the radio, you make a radio check. Um, to be honest, sometimes maybe if you get a WhatsApp on your phone, you, you just look to the WhatsApp, uh, things like that. Um, but I have to say, this year we had a lot of good races so far. Um, well, still the season is very young, but um, it's a good fight this year. And so we're following the race. Yeah, that's that's why I'm there. Um, so I haven't, I have seen all the races the last 22 years. <laughs> so a lot of people might think that the safety car goes quite slowly when it's out on track, uh, mainly because Lewis Hamilton's always coming over the radio saying the safety yeah. car needs to speed up, man. Um can you just explain to the listeners how fast you're actually going and how close to the limit of that car you actually are? Because to me, it looks like you're going very fast. Well, it's it's a diff, sometimes different situations. Um, let's say for sure in uh, in Imola, uh, on the area of where was the accident, so turn two, uh, we drove very slow because we have to find, first of all, we have to find a way to going through all the debris that was on uh, around the track. And I, try to show the drivers that's sometimes first, second year, very slow, 40, 60 kph, uh, uh, just in this area. And after that, I usually, I try to speed up. That doesn't mean in Imola, it wasn't flat, flat out, but it's a, 
I would say in my in my safety car depends which safety car I use. So we have this year two two different colors. So I think we will talk about this a little bit later on. Um, I'm going let's say from a hundred percent, but so my qualifying lap, I would say I go usually ninety percent. So that's up to the speed. Azerbaijan is the quickest uh, straight, so we're going up there more than two hundred sixty. Uh, and if you, if I look in my mirrors, I see them waving, you know, the cars that just try to keep the tires warm. If I do this with 260 on a, on a road track, uh, I think that doesn't work. Uh, Imola was, in the end, was a quite nice situation because I drove nearly flat out, so I've also good fun. But sometimes if race control said burn, slow down, we have some uh, lap cars, they will passing you. I'm not going flat out on a straight. Let's say I lift by 200. That's quick enough uh, for the F1 drivers. They can keep the tires warm on the straights, braking areas, and around corners. I have to drive flat out because uh, the, the the speed difference from a road car, what's both safety cars, they are 100% road cars. It's so amazing you can't believe. Uh, just for example, uh, Spa. Oh, Rouge, I think every everyone knows this corner or this yeah this this part of the track. Yes. Um, I'm driving down the hill to Eau Rouge with around about 240. Uh, I shift up into sixth gear. I think I have to brake. I have to downshift. Um, entering Eau Rouge with around about 170 on the exit. It's maybe a 175 on 180. A Formula One car is going to Eau Rouge with 305 <laughs> and entering Eau Rouge with 310. It's flat out for them. That's uh, I, I have to break because my car, the weight of my car, it's 1,800 kilos with fuel, with my co driver, with myself. A uh, Formula One car, it's uh, you know, uh, 850 kilos, something like that. Uh, so, completely different cars. Uh, still, the safety car, it's very quick. Uh, it's a super nice sports car, but we have to use road tires and not slick tires. That's also a very big point for that, because with slick tires, we, we usually need uh, some uh, heaters so that we have no cold uh, slicks when we're going on the track. Sometimes you just deploy for one lap, uh, so it makes not really sense. And it's a safety car for the race car. Okay, so you, you're out there sometimes during the harshest of racing conditions, uh, obviously to, for, for safety, but how do you make sure that you don't spin it? And what's the pressure like of making sure you don't spin it with 20,000 horsepower sitting behind you? Well, uh, sometimes I have bad, bad dreams about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really, that's, that's the, that should be the worst case uh, if mm-hmm. I, if I, yeah, spin or uh, go, go to the gravel or even have a, a bigger accident. But uh, in theory, that's absolutely real. So it can happen because sometimes you're really driving on the limit, especially in the wet conditions. Um, with the first car, you, you get, you pass the air, the aqua planning area maybe first time. I had this situation in uh, Shanghai a couple of years ago when uh, Sebastian Vettel was behind me that time in the Red Bull. Um, so I was really lucky just just to do the right thing. That was um, I, I don't want to say that I'm such uh, that I'm uh, that, that that was uh, done by purpose. It was just luck that the car came back in the end. Um, 
So you have to you, you have to stay on on the safe side. You never win a race. You never get the jacket flagged. You never get a trophy. Uh, you have to know what what's your job, and that's that's why you have to stay on the let's say on the safe side. You know? And I don't want to to give all the journalists uh, an interview after I crash the safety car. I think that will be I, I will be in person not the happiest man to. Give <laughs> <up>. <laughs> So it's not even pride. It's just not wanting to deal with the press and deal with the questions at that point, if it were to ever go wrong. Uh, uh, absolutely. I think, I think I would go straight to the hotel or somewhere else, or maybe to my car driving home, uh, not entering the, the paddock anymore. But uh, yeah, you, you have to try to stay on the safe side. Yeah. Next week, uh, Monte Carlo, it's absolutely a circuit for that, especially under rain conditions. Even in Monte Carlo, you're driving up to the casino with uh, around about 210. So uh, also in the safety car. Um, and if you start to spin with a 1.8 uh, or 1,800 kilo heavy car, yeah, that's that's that will be a big one. So better stay safe. <laughs> you get um, obviously you get called out during uh, the worst moments, obviously, for racing fans, uh, when we see huge incidents. Um, it's not your job, obviously, to attend them. Um, and as we understand it, you have a different radio channel to the medical car. How does it make you feel uh, not knowing what's going on if someone's injured, um, but yet having to keep your concentration on the driving? And how do you manage that? Well, I think you you have to focus on that what 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 you have to do because I still have uh, uh, many drivers behind me to um, to protect them to show them what they have to do uh, in the last years when we had a big accident it was always shown by we did when the med, if the medical car has to deploy and if there's a proper big one uh, maybe that the driver is, is not getting out immediately uh, we will show a red flag. That's what we have done um, the last years. And um, that's good because everybody, everyone gets protected by, by, by themselves. Uh, they can go back to the pit lane in the past, be parked on the start-finish line. Uh, since a couple of years, we're going back into the pit lane. I think that that's, that's good for everyone, uh, not to pass an incident area with a big crash. And uh, also, it's it's a good protection by, by by yourself, and I think that's that was absolutely the right way. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we get the information. Let's say if we have a a, a big one, uh, and we get the information from from the medical car uh, drivers. Okay, let's say if if the accident looks bigger than it is, uh, mm. we get uh, very quickly information. Um, oh, that's good. But that's what's happened with the drivers, yeah. So that's uh, very, very important for us, yeah. Because it's it's a kind of a bad feeling for for everyone, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can I can say when I haven't seen the accident uh, from uh, Roman Groschon, uh because we just deployed from our parking position one, and we've been on the way back to our standard parking position, um, where it's usually end of the pit lane. And uh, then we start just red flag. So, okay, mm. red flag, that means, okay, let's drive down the pit lane and park there and let's see what's happening. The, the life here 
the worldwide fee was already off. Yeah. Uh, they shown up the what's happened there. And I realized that some, something is burning. I saw some some flames and things and uh, yeah, so I didn't really know what was going on. And I think that in this moment it was good. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. But you have to handle this. This this is a part of your job, and for sure this is not a the nice part, but you have to to work with. Yeah. And that does that stem from your time and experience as the safety car driver, or is that the racer in you coming back out? Because you have to have that same mental perseverance and toughness to know that those things can happen and to continue on. So do you think you've learned more that resilience as a safety car driver or as a racer? I would say everyone who is really involved in, 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 in that it's, um, uh, it's a diff- difficult thing to, to handle this. Yeah. Uh, some, some people, they, um, they are still quite relaxed on that. That's, I think that's a really personal thing. I'm I'm really bad on that. I have to say, I try to go a little backwards, just find myself, and um, um, to handle this this kind of things. Talking to my wife, uh, things things like that. Um, and and luckily with Roman, he was he was okay. Uh, well, yeah, he had third hand, but uh, also. I was really happy when I got this information this morning that he is on pole position. Uh, what, I, what I said, hey, fantastic, great, uh, really congratulations to get back in, in such a way. I'm really happy for Roman that he can uh, do a test day in France uh, with Mercedes. So that's that's really positive things that um, um, keeps someone who is really in a lucky situation uh, to come back in a, in a way like that, that's 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 great. And that yeah. helps everyone, I think, who is uh, close to, to people, they take a lot of risk. So, obviously, Formula One travels all over the world and we, we see new circuits coming in and out all the time. So, for example, next year we've got Miami, mm-hmm. new street circuit. Obviously, that's new for the drivers and new for yourself. How much time do you actually get to practice that circuit before the drivers do? Because, obviously... You have to know that circuit just as well as they do. Uh, that's 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 true. Well, not mostly the drivers they get uh, they're driving the simulators, all the tracks. Uh, well, I'm I'm really bad. I'm 50 years old and I'm really bad on computer games um, and, simu- and simulators as well. I think I was once in a simulator that was already 10, 10 years ago or something like that, and I decide to. Maybe to arrive two days earlier, make some track walks, track runs, uh, driving around slowly with the safety car. And uh, but the, the really good thing is I have a, a track test usually on Thursday uh, before the race weekend. So we, I have one hour time to check the cars, to, to learn the tracks. Uh, I know Miami already uh, by... By some um, uh, by some maps because I'm working also for the FIA in the circuit commission. So we're talking about this circuit already since oh, yeah, nearly one and a half year. Uh, I have seen the, the the layouts, the first layouts um, until the last layout. So um, that helps a little bit, but practically it, the best thing is just to drive around because sometimes if you walk around, you said, oh, okay, yeah, this corner like this, and then you realize, shit, is this quick? Uh, that's what's happened last year. And, and Mugello, I know Mugello from racing, from from testing a lot in the old old DTM times. 
And I haven't been there for more than 10 years. And then I drove around and said, wait, I didn't expect that. It's that quick. <laughs> Is Miami going to be good? Is Miami, how's it looking? Yeah, Miami looks uh, re really good. It's a nice, it's a nice complex, a uh, lot of quick corners, tricky corners. Uh, I think also the facility around the stadium, it's, it's really cool there. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward. And I like Florida. I've been raced there a couple of times in Daytona uh, and Homestead. So it's a really good place. And uh, it's important to have uh, more than only one race in the U.S. because it's a, it's a great country. It's, uh, I hope everything will be fine for next year. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, that's rock and roll there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this year is, is very different compared to other years because, as you mentioned, we have a new safety car. So we have one red and one green. Um, for our listeners that aren't as familiar with the sport, there is one Aston Martin in green and there is a red Mercedes. Um, you've obviously been driving the Mercedes for most of your time, I believe. Um, which one's your favourite this year? <laughs> oh, a tricky question. No, first <laughs> of all, I have, I have, I have to say to, to the safety car, it was quite funny. Um, when I get this job in 99 for Formula 3000, when, when Charlie Whiting asked me, and um, that was one, one learning year in 99, already with a Mercedes, a CLK55, and then in 2000 when I started Formula 1, it was a CL55, so big coupe, um, S-Class, you could nearly say, not that sporty. And then we went on and on, always Mercedes, and we get the first uh, Galvin car in uh, 2010, I guess. It was, I think it was 2010. Um, so it was a proper sports car. And then we get the GTS now, the GTR, so really sporty road cars, uh, developed for racetracks uh, and we had a racetrack or we are always on, on racetracks uh, that that's really nice and then I heard uh, some some rumors been going on already last year Mercedes and AMG they're not continuing uh, to do this in Formula 1 anymore with the safety car and manager cars and then um, oh, let's say mid end of the season um, they, they joined another brand Aston Martin uh, Formula One officially by a team for the 2021 season and also they will supply the safety medical cars and then they, they said okay well let's let's share this job um, by 50-50 more or less with Aston Martin and AMG and then AMG was also back uh, in the safety car family what, what helps both, both brands and uh, well, I'm, I've been racing for Mercedes uh, and for AMG for many years I, I work a lot for, for AMG uh, in the driving academy and things like that. And for me, this was the perfect situation because two brands to work with, two brands like Aston Martin and AMG, it's it's phenomenal. I, I just can say that. Uh, for sure, AMG is a much bigger for, uh, company than, than Aston, but the brand, it's it's fantastic. I know uh, from, from the James Bond movies, um, uh, the DB5 or all these this, this, this cars I know um, the DBX or the, the new medical car it's a, it's a great car so it's a nice brand and the company do, is doing a really good good job uh, the uh, safety car the Vantage the Aston Martin Vantage it's a it's a great car it was the first time that I was driving um, Aston Martin um, they 
have done a good job for to bring this car as a safety car on the track. And uh, it's not as quick as the AMG GTR, but that's 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 absolutely okay. It's three between three and four seconds slower, let's say, on a track with five kilometers length. But we have 80 horsepower less in the Aston. Uh, the basics are the same engine, but because the Aston they're using also an AMG engine, but uh, with uh, yeah, 80, 80 horsepowers, no, 70 horsepower is less. It's for sure you you feel this on, on the straight. You're not that quick, but around corners and and the car, the Aston is a little bit smaller. So it's a quite nice car. I'm happy. The Formula One is happy. FIA is happy. So everyone is happy. And uh, uh, I have to say I have two great brands, two great cars to drive around the track. In uh, Monaco, we're using the Aston Martin. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to drive with Aston in Monaco. Maybe I stop at a casino. Because uh, well, usually, usually James Bond have done this all the time. <laughs> so in Monaco, in the Aston Martin, are you going to have a tuxedo under your race suit? Let's see. But uh, now what I really can say, it's uh, it's, it's great to, to have Aston in, in, in Monaco because... Uh, I've done this for many times with AMG. I know how to drive AMG around in Monaco, and now it's Aston mm-hmm. um, on the track. So it's, it's. I think it's 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 also a new feeling for me. So I'm I'm really looking forward for that. I, I spoke to my my dad earlier, and I was I was explaining that we we were talking to you, and he had one question. So I've got to ask it whilst we're talking about Merck and Aston. Which one have you got parked outside of your house? In the moment, I don't have an Aston in front of my house. Um, but to, to be fair, I, I would say if I, if I could buy now a, a Aston, I would go for the DBX because it's a, it's a great car. My, I showed this picture. I was maybe not the best idea uh, to show the DBX to my wife. I said, oh, oh that's, that's a nice car. Brilliant. And I, yeah, but sweetie, we have, we have two kids. They are too small. They're not taking care about the car. And we have a big dog. Uh, I think this car is too small for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> So let, let's let's see what 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 will happen in the future. Um, but no, it's to be honest, it's really a nice. Uh, those are nice cars. So one one the sports car and also the other brands are really cool what they have. Um, so uh, big 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 company with a. I think I really hope for also with a good future. Are you hoping that Mercedes or Aston Martin comes out with a very fast four door so you could possibly? Get a test drive in before you bring that home to the wife for the next purchase. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's see if that uh, if that if that happens. But uh, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know exactly what's the plan for for Aston, which which car they want to bring on the market. I know DBX in the moment; it's the the newest car. They still uh, are working with the um, uh, with the Vantage for sure, and then they have some some special limited editions. Uh, uh, all their all cars are really nice looking, so I, it's really unbelievable. So I have to be careful uh, not to talk a little too much about Aston Martin. <laughs> Maybe I will get a phone call from Mercedes after that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, well, with you having the opportunity to drive these incredible machines, you know that that's your company car. Are these two? Do you almost get disappointed when you don't get a chance to put some time in in the office? on a Sunday and go out there and just hang it out and go for it? Yeah, for sure. It's always, I was also really happy when, when, 
And then we had the, the first race in Bahrain when we had the Aston there. So we tested there uh, already the two weeks before. And um, the Aston people or the whole team uh, from the safety car, they were really looking forward for the race. And uh, let's say I, I was happy then to deploy and to show the car to do a couple of laps because that's the moment where everyone was waiting for. And uh, without that, it would be maybe a little bit disappointed. So uh, it was nice to, to show up the car. I, I also have to say, yeah, um, let's see if I'm deploying next week for a couple of laps. Should be great. Uh, to show the car, hopefully nothing big happens, but uh, mm. uh, usually Monaco, it's always uh, one of the races where we get deployed. And um, yeah, that, yeah, that's always... Sometimes it doesn't matter if I'm not deploying and have, a, let's say, a boring Sunday afternoon, but uh, if you can go out for three, four laps, uh, that's, that's, that's okay. So I put the cars all together. Um, the, so it's a, new, it's a new nice restart. Um, sometimes it's good for us. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of you being deployed, what's been the most memorable um, time that you've been deployed? Oh, there are, are many, many things. Uh, many times when I get uh, deployed, for sure, you things when you already know before the start of the race that you will have a safety car start in, in Spa and Fuji. In 2007, where we did uh, more than 30 laps, Montreal. I remember that, yeah. Uh, it was raining like hell. We have to refuel the cars. And I just get back into the pits, yeah. Uh, and then we refuel the car. I drove down to my parking position and I get already the next call because Alonso and Hamilton, they crashed in <laughs> um, McLaren at that time. And I did another 11 laps or whatever. So this was great memories, um, but I th but I think now with the new um, with the new things what we are with the new things what we usually doing we will show red flag and we stop the race. Yeah. Um, but but you, sometimes you never know. Uh, Montreal, yeah, 2011, uh, we had the, the longest Formula One race ever. Um, I had a piece of cake in race control because I said I don't sit in the car anymore. Because uh, I go now to race control. I went up to race control and said, Hi, Charlie. I heard that you have some cakes up here, so I'm getting hungry. Brilliant. Um, he said, well, Why are you not in the safety car? I said, Well, That's control, I think race control is the safest place ever. <laughs> and uh, if I'm here, I will get all the information that I need so I can walk back to the car when we get the restart. That's and, something with Kimmy disappearing and having a uh, having an ice cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 and. Uh, yeah, we have we, we, usually we are just talking about Formula One, but also in the support races, we have many times this this, this kind of situations. Yeah, so um, everyone, a lot of friends, they ask me, so what was your best remember? So we had great remembers uh, when we get deployed. Uh, I remember when uh, Charlie told me a safety car deployment, what's happened because we get no information. And then we had a fan in Silverstone was crossing the track. Uh, maybe if you remember 2000. Yes, I do remember that. Two, three, yeah. something like this. And then in Germany, he was also, also on the track again. I said, what? I can't believe. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's moment, but you always uh, remember these kind kind of things, yeah? Um, yeah, but, but yeah. usually it's always good moments. 
That's good. So I do a little segment on the podcast called the Motorsport Time Machine. And basically, I'm going to offer you the chance to choose to go anywhere in history to go into any motorsport at any time. So, for example, this week I'm feeling a little bit spicy, so I want to go to Le Mans 66 and drive the Ford GT40 alongside Ken Miles. If you could go anywhere at any time and drive anything, where would you go and why? Oh, that's a, that's a very special question because I'm, I'm more the touring car and sports car guy. Um, I, I, I would say I would go back one, one more time to the Nürburgring in 2000 at uh, Nordschleife for the 24-hour race and drive with the same teammates uh, again, the same race, because this was 24 hours um, to have uh, always a good 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 feeling. So, uh, because this was phenomenal, I have to say, what what they, what the whole team, what we put together and uh, we, we knew if we don't crash or if we have also, for sure, you always need luck, but a long-distance race, it's something very special for me um, because the preparation for such a race, it's its like for a whole season. And uh, if you really put everything together, it's a, it's a great job from, from the team, from the drivers. And uh, also, that's not the best part is afterwards, after the race. So, that's a big, big if you win a 24-hour race and... You, you can still, you're not falling asleep in the evening on Sunday night. Uh, I tell you to celebrate such a victory um, with a team. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's even, I would say, better than if you win a race in Formula One. We had some parties in the past on Sunday nights, but uh, usually uh, because you have 20 races or even more in a form of 24 races, you do this once per year at the same place and that, that's that's something very very special yeah i think uh, we you know we all know the nordschleife and just how difficult that track is and all the nuances that are around that track how grueling was it to be part of the 24 hours and how good was it to know that you were coming away a winner of that well it was it was fantastic it was already when when they came up with the um, uh, with the project, and uh, uh, I was I was racing in '99 and 2000 for Porsche for many races in the Mall, Nurburgring. Um, I did the 24-hour race in from two, uh, from '92, '93, '94. Uh, no, sorry, '91 to '94, yeah. and then 2000. Uh, not in '99 because to be honest, I don't know why. Uh, maybe I had no budget. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, then they came up with this project with a new uh, Porsche RSR uh, factory car by a really good by a Phoenix team from the Nürburgring. They're usually also in, in sports cars and touring cars. Quite popular team. I know all of them. And uh, then also the drivers. I knew all of them. Uh, I've been racing with them in the team or against. So it was it, the project altogether was something very special and uh, we knew driver-wise we are perfect so all the drivers they've been quite good on the non-schleife you know uh, the team behind us they, they have the, they have the power we get the full support of Porsche so we knew it in, in the beginning if we handle this in the right way and that was always my dream 
to, to win the race up there. It's uh, right now in the modern time, it's a little bit different because you have, you have more cars or more quick cars, but at that time you just have to bring it back home. And, um, and that was for me phenomenal to, to get this chance with this team. Uh, I never get the chance again. Um, and we, we've done it. And that was, I have to say also one of my, my special and biggest moment in in my life because I started to to drive up there the North Life as I teach myself in in eighty nine and ninety and um, then to win ten years later it's something very very special. So while we're on about endurance, can you explain the the one hundred thousand miles endurance record? How how did that come about? That's amazing. <laughs> that, that's yeah, that, that's absolutely amazing. So when I when I get or when Mercedes Corby burned, we have a very special uh, uh, project. It's the 100,000 uh, miles. We will break the record. It's uh, uh, with a lot of drivers. Uh, we have all together, we, have, we had three cars. So all three cars been running uh, on the same track. That was a big oval in uh, uh, close to the Mexican border. Uh, Lando, Lando, what's the name? Alado, I think. Uh, and that was a fantastic program because uh, to doing 100,000 miles in, uh, I don't know how many days we need, I think 28, something like that, uh, running 24-7 uh, with a team, we've been always teams, so we did 24 hours and then we stopped, oh, we get back to the hotel, we slept and coming back two days later. Um, and then the other drivers would be driving. So the car was always driving, driving, driving. And he was always driving around about 228 to 230 kph. Uh, but but not on uh, an autopilot. So you, that, that was not the plan. So you have to handle this. And you have to go exactly, it was a diesel record. So just to make this high speed on a, on a track, uh, without falling in sleep, don't crash it because you could you have no chance to change. Let's say uh, if you have a cooling problem, you, you can't change anything. This from by the FIA, this is not allowed. So you have to bring the car back uh, without anything damaged. That's unreal. That, that's that, that's really yeah. that's really impressive. And, and it was you had to learn this. So mm. in the nights, in the evenings, the snakes get getting up into the oval. So that means, okay, snake is not a problem if you hit a snake. But if, if you hit a snake, the um, the big birds coming as well. And if you hit a bird with 230 kph, your car is crashed. So um, you have to sit, you have to think about so many things. Yeah, And it was also, you get bored, you know, if you're just driving 230 kph all the time, um, it's like you're driving 50 miles in the city. Yeah? Oh, no, no, I think that's not allowed. Uh, 50 kph in the city. That's, that's the right. <laughs> yeah, don't do that in England. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I, I, I thought I drove a lot, but I, I did 50,000 miles last year. And we're talking about 100,000 over, what was it, 28 days. That's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and, and we broke all the records up from 10,000 uh, miles uh, up to uh, 100,000 miles. We broke all the records. And it's a huge, big investment uh, for a company uh, to break these records. And then we said, okay, we have to send three cars on the track because um, that one car get crashed was was nearly the chance of 100%. And mm. uh, not get crashed by by an accident, um, even more that, that you hit something 
who's what's what's on the track. And we had also we had some spotter around the track, especially in the night. Uh, they've been really looking for animals uh, that you get uh, safe around the track because. Yeah, it's, it's, it was quite tough. It was something completely different in my life mm-hmm. that I have done. But uh, to have a world record like that, yeah, it's something something special. Good fun. Indeed. I would not want to be a bird in the way of Bert Mylander, I tell you that much. Um, <laughs> um, you, you've had such an extensive career uh, in motorsport. What are you most proud of? Well, yeah, for sure. You're always looking to, uh, to, the, to the big numbers, but, but you have one. Uh, for me, one very important step was and to get real professional drivers in '94 when I when I uh, won the the Porsche uh, National Championship, the Porsche Carrera Cup in '94, because I get also a driver of the year. Um, I get a contract. Uh, Mercedes called me. Bernd, we're looking for a young driver for a German young driver for the German Touring Car Championship. And to make this step, this was something very special. Unluckily, uh, end of 96, the championship uh, died. So that was uh, DTM ITC. So they crashed. So they stopped. What was uh, not really nice. But then with the new generation of the GT cars, of the GT1 cars, that was a fantastic thing, I have to say. And for sure, when I won in 97 uh, at a A1 ring at that time, that was the Red Bull ring, together with Dan Schneider and Klaus Ludwig on the car, um, you're always looking for the big ones. And uh, if you win a world championship race, or that race, that's always something special. Coming back on Porsche in '99, that was great. Doing Le Mans with uh, with a name like Bob Wallach, who raced there for many many years, so that was uh, great uh, to get this job. That was also by the FIA. That was one of my biggest moments. Twenty four snowboarding, what we have spoken before. That was uh, a great. Um, great thing for me. 2001, after my accident, what I had uh, on my on my right heel, and I broke the, the right heel on a private accident, uh, to coming back in the race car and then to win the last DTM race in Hockenheim. That uh, that's all things what you're looking for, what you're really proud of uh, to get. But also personal things. That's that's really important for me to to get uh, in contact with with people. Um, they're very popular, let's say, uh, in motor racing to work together with them, um, just to have a chat with them. That's, that's always great. And that's, that's even for me, even more important, uh, than to win races after, because now I'm retired more or less. Yeah. Um, but now to looking to this, to it's very, something very special. Well, I think I speak for all of us when I say this interview has been very special. Uh, you know, looking at the emphasis you have on safety, are there any technological innovations in safety that have impressed you or may have even had you worried they would put you out of a job uh, <laughs> in F1 that you sit back and go, that's an impressive technology and I wish there was more of that or that had come around sooner? Well, yeah, for sure. You always say, why is this not coming sooner? If you talk about a halo, if you talk, if you talk about, when I look to old pictures, in the GT1 car, we found that the hands had uh, the hand system, yeah, had the neck support system. Uh, you think, wow, well, you've been racing like that? I can't believe. And yeah, but we f- we felt safe at that time. Um, we didn't know that our hands can save your life because 
for sure, we always knew if you have an accident, your neck, it's, it's one of the uh, really uh, special areas. They you can break your neck, you're dead, yeah, more or less. And then with this generation, had the neck support, with the halo system, what came up, uh, um, what was it, I think 2015, Some, something like this, I'm not, not really sure. Uh, halo, it's a fantastic thing. When I saw the, the first time the car, oh no, that looks that looks not fine. Now you you won't see any car without because um, it, it protects you. If you see the accident from Roma last year, uh, without that, uh, he will be not with us anymore. Um, if you look to all the chassis technique, to the helm technique after Felipe Massa's accident in Budapest with the screw. Um, the helm, the helmet gets so good, so comfortable, so safe. Yeah, I have a, I have a brand new helmet over there uh, compared to my old one. It's also on, on that side. You think, well, fuck, I can't believe that I was feeling safe on the old one. Uh, but but that's 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 fantastic. I do also a lot of historical things. So Villemilia, things like that from Mercedes. If you sit in a Mercedes 300 SL driving car without a seatbelt and you're racing or you're driving on some roads <clears throat> up to 160, 180. Some, somehow I have to say, no, I feel safe. I, I think I had everything under control. But if you have a crash, believe me, ooh, that's that's other other point. So I think we are in a really good way, uh, safety-wise, also racetrack-wise. And for sure, we, we never will stop for that to to try to make a motorsport even more safe, but um, you have to you have to work very carefully to do the, the right steps in the right direction. So to wrap up, one last question. Who is going to win this year? Is it Max or is it Lewis? <coughs> Who's your money on, Bern? Well, in the moment, if you really analyse everything on, on what's, what's happened now this year, <clears throat> with the new technical rules, uh, aerodynamic and uh, floor technique. Um, I think that my impression is that Mercedes lost from last year to this year. Um, you could see it because the, the Red Bull's been very quick in the beginning. Uh, for me, it's not really clear what's happened with Valtteri in the moment. Um, because the gap between Valtteri and Lewis is for me a little bit too much. So um, I think we still have to wait for a couple more races to see really what is, what's the better car. Um, from the strategy, Red Bull has done a few mistakes from, from my point. So, um, but, but still, it's a comp the championship is completely open, but in the moment Mercedes put, brings all the time everything on the point together with Lewis Hamilton and that's why, why Lewis is uh, eight-time uh, world, world champion. So that's, that's is he eight times? Not um, yet, but I'm so happy you said that. Yes! yes. <laughs> <laughs> seven times, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, why he is seven times world champion and uh, he really did phenomenal things this year, and that's that's why he's so so good. You can be a fan uh, or, or not, but sport-wise, you have, you really have to 
accept that. And if you're really looking how how he is handling, how fair he is handling all the things, that's that's really for me um, a big big point, and that's very to understand the sport in the right way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- th- thanks for sharing that. It's interesting. Callum must have let you go the wrong way in the motorsport time machine just then. Um, so uh, thank you for your future prediction. I- I- I'm with you on that. Um, <laughs> and and most of all, thank you for spending you know your 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 weekend with us, your time off, and thank you to the FIA for allowing this to to go ahead. What, what are you going to do this afternoon with your kids then? Well, I think they will be coming back in the next half an hour, hour. Uh, well, then sun, Sunday, Saturday evening, it's not that much going on anymore. So uh, uh, we will have a nice beer afterwards, a nice dinner together, and uh, maybe watching a little bit of football because still our championship is still going on. And uh, just relaxing, yeah. Tomorrow we'll have a nice day. Weather forecast looks good. So going for a doggy walk with the family together and enjoying a Sunday before the race weekend in Monaco. Very nice. That sounds lovely. Well, I hope you enjoy enjoy your weekend. And um, I'm sure like all of us and all of our listeners, we can't wait to see you in that green machine in Monaco next week. So um, thank you very much. Thank you very much. All the best to you. Whenever you need me, let me know I'm there. Oh, I will take you up on that, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Podcast Network.